Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Today's series, The Not Commandments, Part 5, Judge Not, featuring Michael Davis. Well, I'm so glad that you are, uh, you're with us today, and I really do hope you have a, an awesome, safe night uh, watching the Super Bowl. But, you know, we've been in this series called the, uh, the End Commandments, and what we've been talking about is the commands that Jesus gave when he was here on this earth to his disciples. And, you know, the interesting thing that happened was is that Jesus came and he just kind of turned everything upside down. He really kind of introduced almost a completely different religion. Because it was so unhitched from the old that he even like replaced the 613 laws with just one. And he said, love each other the way that you have seen me love you. And so I want you to love God and I want you to love your neighbor. And how you love your neighbor really shows how you love God. And if you love God, you will love your neighbor. But then also, too, he, he, he did away with the sacrificial system. He did away with the temple model of worship. And all of that changed. And when Jesus died on the cross, all of that died with him. But at that point, it was game over. I mean, it was just kind of done. And everybody went home, and everybody was sad, and everybody grieved. And nobody really believed that what Jesus said would happen would happen. And what is it that Jesus said would happen? He said, hey, take heart. It's all good. In three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. What happened in those three days, we really don't know. But it's like it didn't. It's not like it was going to take three days. It's like Jesus just said, "I'm just, I'm just going to be gone for three days, just a three day vacation. Just I'm going to go off and go do something, and then I'll be back." But nobody believed him. But then there he was, three days later. There he was. He came out of the grave, and he came to the disciples, and he still had the holes in his hands and in his feet, and he let them touch him. And all of a sudden, everyone believed. And when Jesus left, he told the disciples, he said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to go up to heaven. Don't worry, I'll be back. But I want you, I'm going to go up to heaven and I want you to teach everybody everything that you have seen me teach you. And so that's exactly what they did. All of a sudden it was game on. All of a sudden anything was possible. Because when you see a person come back to life three days later, and they not only did that, but they predicted that it would happen. I mean, you follow that person, you put your faith in that person, and that's exactly what they did. But they didn't have a Bible yet. They had Old Testament scriptures, but they didn't have a New Testament, and Paul wasn't even a Christian yet. These disciples hadn't started writing this stuff down. Actually, none of them could really write or read. That took a scribe, and so that took time, and that didn't happen for, for quite some time in history. And they didn't teach the Old Testament because, well, that was Jewish history, and most of the people they were reaching were Gentile, and they weren't interested in Jewish history. And there was no sense in teaching the 613 laws that didn't apply to them anymore because Jesus came and brought something brand new. So what did they focus on and what did they teach? The commands that Jesus gave. And Jesus gave a whole bunch of not commandments. And he gave commandments like this. He gave commandments like fear not, worry not, sin not. And you know, these commandments seemed unrealistic to the disciples as well. It would probably have seemed, you know, impossible to you as well. Yeah, right, like I'm ever going to come to a place where I, I worry not, or I, I fear not, or I sin not. But you know what's been so cool to, to see, and, and this is just kind of from, from my lens, from where I sit, I, I enjoy so much your text messages and your DMs and your emails on Sundays and Mondays just about, man, like, I, I want this to be true. 
I have loved this series so much. God spoke to me today. This has been so powerful, so so impactful. I mean, some of your guys' small group discussions have been just so good. And you know what that tells me? That tells me exactly what so many people have wrestled with for 2,000 years. That even though if you don't know if it's true, you want it to be true. You want to come to a place where you worry not, where you fear not, where you sin not, where you doubt not. And you know what? That has been the thing that has drawn people to Jesus for 2,000 years. And it's still drawing you in today. And the thing that was the breaking point for the apostles, the thing that convinced the disciples that this could become possible, was when they saw Jesus alive again. And so that's what we're going through is these commandments, these not commandments that Jesus gave. And this week, we're going to, this is again, I told you at the forefront of this series, there's, there's a couple commands I'm going to tell you we're going to talk about, and there's a couple I'm not going to tell you what they are, because honestly, you would probably not come to church if I told you what this is. And so this is the big one. This is the one that, again, that I didn't mention, that I didn't tell you, and, and this is going to be a, a little bit of a battle today. But let me tell you if, if you, if you are coming to church for the first time, if you're not a Christian, and you came to church today just to have Chrissy's breakfast tacos, this is like the perfect day for you to come. You know, or if you're like you're watching online or you're listening to our podcast and you're not a Christian, you're not about this, you're just about free tacos, you know, and somebody drug you today because they told you they were going to buy you sugar fire after church and like that's the only reason you're here, you are going to love this message because we are going to tear into all the Christians in the room. Like it's going to be fantastic. You are going to text this message to your, your non-Christian friends after church, and you're like, you've got to listen to this. He lit them up. This is going to be that message that afterwards you're going to text your Nazarene grandma, and you're like, Grandma, my pastor was talking about you today, and you've got to hear this. And we're just going to make her flip her lid. It's going to be fantastic. Because today, the not commandment that we're talking about today, this is the verse that like every non-Christian knows. They know this. They don't know where it is in the Bible. They don't even know who said it. But this is like the verse that every non-Christian knows and loves. Do you want to guess what it is? What's today's not commandment? What is it? Judge not. Good job. Today's in commandment is judge not. Judge not. Now, here's where it actually came from. Again, it came from Matthew. Matthew, he recorded this and wrote this down. And this is something that Jesus said. Jesus said, do not judge. Let, repeat it after me. Let's say it together. Do not judge. See, I'm trying to keep you warm by moving your jaw muscles, okay? We're going to do jumping jacks later, okay, to make sure everybody's good. Do not judge. Now, one thing that I want to just clarify from the very beginning, okay, is there, there's a big difference between judging somebody and judgment, okay? What you're going to find today, and we just need to all agree on this and get on the same page, is that there's a big difference between judging somebody and making a judgment. We're all going to make judgments. We're all going to have an opinion, and that's normal. That's wise. That's an okay thing to do, okay? If somebody gets a tattoo on their forehead of their social security number, we are going to make a judgment, that's not smart, right? Okay, that is not judging someone. That is making a judgment. That is an opinion, which we should all have about things like that. So that's a judgment. We would make a judgment about that. Now, judging someone is a little bit different. Judging someone is sizing somebody up 
and writing them off. So thou shalt not size somebody up and write them off, okay? We got the difference between the two, big difference between the two. So it's okay to make judgments. What's not okay to do, what is judging somebody, is sizing somebody up and writing people off. Now, here's the thing. We, we, have, to, we have to wonder, right? I, I wonder, maybe you wonder. Why, why do you think religious people tend to be so judgmental? And when I say religious people, I'm, I'm talking about all religions. I'm talking about if you primarily look and think about religion, religious people are judgmental. I mean, ancient Jews are judgmental. Mormons are ju- judgmental. Christians are judgmental. Muslims are judgmental. Catholics, super-duper judgmental. Um, you know, <laughs> just making sure you're with me, all right? I mean, Religion in general, these people are judgmental. Why is it that most religious people are judgmental? I know why. And here's the answer. Answer number one is they're jealous. Oh, go, go ahead and that one. Go down. They're jealous, okay? They're jealous. Because here's the thing, non-Christians, all right? Again, if you're listening to this, you're going to love this series. Here's the thing. Here's why everybody is so judgmental. Here's why your grandma is on you. Here's why your Christian neighbor is so on you. It's because you're having more fun than they are. Craig Rochelle, he has this great quote about sin. He says this. He says, here's the thing. If you're not sinning, you're not doing it correctly, okay? If you're not having fun while you're sinning, then you're doing it wrong. Because here's the thing. Sin is fun. And you Christians, you look at non-Christians, people living in sin, and I mean, they're just, you know, on a Friday night, they're just abandoning their kids, just leaving their kids at home, and they're going out, and they're having sex, and they're inhaling things. And here's the thing. Secretly, sometimes, you wish you could also abandon your kids and go out and have some sex and inhale some stuff, right? I mean, come on. That's the truth. The thing is, is when you judge, when you judge them, it's, just, it's because they're having more fun than you are. And so you judge, right? And, I mean, you look at them, and they're like, they're spending money that they don't actually have. And they're racking up that debt, and they're being irresponsible. And here you are, you know, everybody, all of you. I know you all, you're all giving to the church, right? You know, and you're like, you're giving a percentage and stuff, and you're managing, and you're being responsible. I mean, come on, let, let's be honest for a minute, all right? I mean, when it was talked about that, you know, somebody may come into office and they may cancel student debt, that's the biggest problem you had with it, right? Not that their debt was being canceled, but it's like, no, 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 no. I've been so responsible with my money and such a good boy paying off my college debt, and you're going to just give them a pass? No, they must suffer. Do not, make, do not take their student debt from them. They can't have more fun than we, you know? So I think like Christians, we even get excited, you know? Like, I, I don't know what it is about Christians. You guys get excited about talking about the end of the world, right? Like if something goes wrong, you're like, yes, this is it. But here's why you get excited about talking about the end of the world. It's because when the world ends, you get to start having fun and they go to hell. That's what makes you so excited about talking about the end of the world, right? Because you're jealous. You're jealous. That's the thing. And so you're jealous of all the fun the sinners are having that you wish you could be having too. And so that's why you judge. But here's the second reason. second reason that you judge is because you're self-righteous. Self-righteous people judge. 
Now, here's the thing. I want to tell you exactly what self-righteousness is, all right? Here's a a little definition of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is when we assume there is a a sophistication about us that sets us up above another. So here's the thing. When we think we fit the mold, but nobody else does, we judge. And again, the highest level of self-righteousness I've ever witnessed has been in the church. I mean, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church. I've seen a lot of church stuff. I've seen a lot of stuff happening behind those closed doors after service in the church. I've seen my dad come home from a lot of board meetings, been to a lot of board meetings myself. There is no higher level of self-righteousness than in the church. And here's the thing about self-righteousness is we think that there is a sophistication about us that other people just aren't meeting. And when we do that, it is so arrogant and it is so ignorant. And what we do in that moment is we dumb down God's holiness and we elevate our own. And we think we are so much better than everybody else. And here's the crazy thing about Christian self-righteousness. is I've seen people in the church be so self-righteous. They aren't just self-righteous and judgmental against the world. Some Christians are so self-righteous, they're even judgmental against other generations of Christianity. Like, I've seen older Christians who think they have such a sophisticationness to themselves that they judge younger Christians. I want to show you the, uh, the most recent email that I got, and I'm not going to tell you who it was, but just so you know, you send your emails to me, they may show up in a sermon, okay? This is an email I got. Your church isn't my kind of church. You guys got rid of the standard church songs and traded them for contemporary. You lost your traditional sanctuary for a nightclub, and you traded Folgers for Starbucks. When will it end? Oh, the madness. What is happening to us? Notice the words in this email from Anonymous. Standard, okay? The standard. You, You traded your standard in. Uh, traditional, Folgers, okay? Notice the words in this email, okay? Do, do you know what? Serious talk for just a minute, okay? You know what Kate and I have decided? We've had this conversation in depth, okay? In 30 years, God willing, we're still alive. In 30 years, when Kate and I are 63 and we're attending whatever church we're attending, if I'm done pastoring, I'm done pastoring, but whatever church I'm in, as long as the gospel is being preached and lost people are being saved, I'm not going to get in the way. I'm going to be supportive. Yeah. Okay? I am not going to ever be so self-righteous. I know things are going to change. Trust me. When I'm 63, who in the world knows what the church is going to look like? The building's going to change. The worship's going to change. What we wear is going to change. Who knows? It may go techno. We may be under a bush like a bunch of hippies, you know, wearing loincloths, humming to each other. I have no clue what's going to happen, but I know this is probably not going to be my style. I'm probably going to be the guy in the car going, well, it wasn't Hillsong United, but but it was okay, you know? I mean, that's, that's probably, it's not going to be my jam, man. I know that. But here's the thing. I am not going to be so self-righteous as to look at the generation below me trying to reach the lost and tell them that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Sorry, I got a little WWE in me for a minute, all right? That's self-righteousness, man. 
And we can be so self-righteous that we judge one another. And the church is so self-righteous that we don't even just judge the world, man. Sometimes we judge other churches. Sometimes we judge the younger generation. And it's really, really, really messed up. And so what we're going to find in this conversation and in this verse that we're going to talk about is that Jesus says, do not judge. Now again, everybody knows this. Everybody knows that this is in the Bible. But they probably don't even know where it came from or who says it and exactly what the message is. And so we're going to unpack this today. And at the end, we're all going to feel really, really bad. So this is going to be a great day. Good thing we got the Super Bowl to look forward to tonight, okay? So this is what Jesus says, okay? So Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now this is, again, we're going to start breaking this down and you're going to have your eyes start to be open, okay? Jesus didn't just say, don't judge each other, period. What Jesus said was... Do not judge, or you too will be judged. So the next time non-Christians or Christians, somebody judges you, what you actually need to say is, you know, don't just say, don't judge me. The Bible says that. What you need to say is, hey, don't judge me, or you too will be judged. Text that to your grandma who doesn't like that tattoo you just got, all right? Grandma, look out. Okay, do not judge me, or you too will be judged. <gasps> right? Okay, all right. So do not judge, or you too will be judged. And then Jesus elaborates, and this is what he says in verse 2. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this is really important, especially for us Christians in the room, okay? Here's what Jesus is saying. The same stick that you measure other people with is the same stick that God is going to use to measure you. Ooh. So let me, ask you, let me ask you a question. When you meet God, how is it that you would like to be judged? Uh, I'll go first. I would like to be judged not, okay? <laughs> that would be my answer, Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to be judged not. But here's the thing, if I am to be judged, here's my answer. I would like to be judged mercifully. I would like to be judged with grace. I would like to be judged with my entire story in mind. I would like to be judged when you, if you would take into account who my parents are. I would like you to take into account my day I've had. I'd like you to take into account the abuse I have suffered. I would like you to take into account my friends. I would like to take you into account my emotions and my feelings. I would like you to take you into account my, my mental stability and my mental health. I would like you to take into account the temptations that were around me. I would like you to take into account the season that I was in. That is how I would like to be judged. Anybody else? Amen? Okay, then. And Jesus says... If that is how you would like to be judged, then that is how you should judge other people. Because the same stick that you use to measure people up is the same stick that I will use to measure you as well. So he says, yeah, you might want to think about that. You may want to think about how you judge others because how you judge others is how they will judge you. And here's the thing for me. I don't want to be judged by just that one text message. I don't want to be judged by that one day. I don't want to be judged by that one conversation. I don't want to be judged by that one tattoo. I don't want you to take in my whole life story. So Jesus goes, well, then let's keep that in perspective. And so then he goes on, and he really starts to break down what this looks like. He says, so why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Now, Jesus 
says something very important here that you may not have ever understand. Jesus is agreeing with you, okay? You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, yeah, you're looking at that speck in your brother's eye. And we would say, okay, cool. so you see it too. And Jesus is going, yeah, I see it. Okay, so that should make you feel a little better, okay? Jesus sees what you see. When you look at your sister-in-law, when you look at your neighbor, when you look at your coworker, and you go, that ain't right. Jesus goes, yeah, I see it. Let's call it a speck. Okay, Jesus, well, I'm just making sure you see the speck that I see. Oh, no, I see it. I see the speck. Okay, so you look at the speck in your brother's eye. Yeah, I see it. I'd call it a little bit bigger than a speck, but oh, okay, we'll agree on speck, Jesus, whatever you say. And then he goes on. He goes, so you look at the speck in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Well, hold on just a minute, Jesus. I mean, let's, you know the difference between a speck and a plank, you know? Jesus goes, you are looking at the speck in your neighbor's eye, but you don't even see the plank in your own eye. Now, a lot of us, why is it that we are so fascinated with the speck in our brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in our eye? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because it distracts us from the plank in my own, right? If I'm worried about your speck, I don't have to think about my plank. And when I don't have to think about my plank, I feel a lot better about myself, right? The second reason is this. The, the second reason is, I didn't notice I had a plank in my eye, Jesus. Are you sure? I think I'm normal. I think for this thing you call a plank, this is called responsible, you know? I think that, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm different from the rest of the world. But the thing is, is that that's why we're so fascinated with the speck in our brother's eye. is because it distracts from the plank in my eye. Because sometimes I kind of disagree and I don't even think that there's even really a plank in my own eye. And then this is where Jesus clarifies the not commandment. This is what Jesus says. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own? Jesus goes, man, you're so fascinated with the speck in your brother's eye. You have no idea. You, you should be really worried more about the plank in your own eye. It's kind of, oh, what's the word I would say? And then Jesus says the word that every Christian hates to hear. He says it in this next verse. He goes, you hypocrite. <gasps> he called us the word, right? Oh, Christians hate this word. I mean, this just bolt gets down to the nitty gritty. Oh, it makes us feel like dirt. Then this is Jesus's definition of a hypocrite. He says, when you're more worried about the speck in your brother's eye than you are about the plank in your own, you are a hypocrite. That is what makes you hypocritical. And so the lesson to this at this point, right, if we just stopped right here and said, amen, this is it, the lesson so far would be this. The lesson would be mind your own business. Okay? Mind your own business, which every non-Christian is like, yeah, I love this guy. This is a church for people who don't like church, right? That's right, Christians. That's right, Grandma. Mind your own business. Amen. But it doesn't stop there, okay? It gets really, really worse. <laughs> so he's, if we stopped right there, it would be mind your own business. But Jesus goes further, and this is what he says. He says, you hypocrite, first. Now, I want to stop here and just make a, make a comment. He says first. Anytime somebody says number one, what does that mean? There's always a number two. Keep that in mind, okay? Ooh, 
<laughs> you know, what is that called when you're like jumping to the end, but you don't know what's going to happen? Foreshadowing. Thank you. Foreshadowing. Ooh. All right. So first, step one, take the plank out of your own eye. Now, this is really, really interesting what, what, what Jesus just, just did. Okay. He just gave us a new lesson. Okay. So the lesson is not just mind your own business. The, the, the lesson is this. The lesson is, when I'm tempted to pass judgment upon thee, I should stop and t- check for traces in me. See how that rhymed? Okay. So, all right, so now there's a new lesson, okay? The lesson is not mind your own business. The lesson is, is that your messed upness should remind me of my messed upness. When I see in my neighbor, when I see in my brother-in-law, when I see in my family a speck, a, a piece of messed upness, what I should do is I should go, you know, is there, is there anything wrong with me? Is there, is there a way that I do that? Their messed upness should help me become aware of my messed upness. And when I become aware of my messed upness, when I become aware of my plank, the first step is for me to deal with my messed upness, not point out the speck in my brother's eye. So I look at that and I go, wow, man, look at her. She's on social media. Look at her just trying to get attention. You know what I mean? Look at her just trying. I mean, everybody's liking it, you know. Oh, my goodness, my husband liked that photo. That's weird. Um, You know, they're just trying to get that attention. Oh, my goodness, them, oh, you know, they're just so needy. They're needy. Okay, wait a minute. You know what? There's been times I've posted stuff on social media trying to get attention. You know what? I really need to scroll through my own Facebook, through my own tweets, through my own Instagrams, because I think there's been some times I've said some things or I've posted some things for some likes and some attention. Oh, shoot, I have, right? Or you look at that person, you're like, oh, look at them over there trying to, you know, they bought a, bought a car that they can't really afford, and they, they souped it up, and they did all those things, and they're just getting themselves in debt, and they're just buying material possessions that they don't really need. Oh, my goodness, can you believe? No, what I should really do as a Christian is I should stop, and I should go, oh, you know what? There's been some times I've bought some material possessions that I didn't actually need, and there's been some times that I've purchase some things to make myself feel better and I've made some unnecessary purchases and I haven't always been wise with my money as well and even though it's different it's really not and oh geez I really need to deal with that see here's the thing Jesus goes says he goes man when you see a speck in your brother's eye it should make you become aware self-aware of the plank in your own and the first step in the being more like Christ is to deal with the plank in your own eye. And man, when you are more worried about the plank in your own eye, you don't even have time or energy to judge people. Because their speck makes you self-aware and you go to work on yourself. So what's happening is, is we're able to use other people's messed upness in order to become versions of our better self. Now, if that was the lesson, and again, if that's where we just stopped right there, that we could go, oh, well, good. That makes me feel nice. I mean, I get to use other people's messed upness and use it as an advantage for myself. But that doesn't sound very right, does it? That kind of sounds like you're using other people for your own personal gain, which doesn't sound very Christian, and it's not. Although there are some versions of Christianity that this is what they teach, but this is not Christian at all. And here's the thing we're about to break into that's just going to break way, way new ground and just spin this thing on top of its head. 
Something that you need to understand is this, is that following Jesus never stops at what's in it for you. Think about that for a minute. Following Jesus is never about what's in it for you. And if we stopped right there and said, your speck in your brother's eye is there to make you more self-aware of the plank in your own and for you to deal with it and for you to change, that's exactly what we would be doing. We'd be taking advantage of one another. And we would just be using other people's speck and be using our relationship with God for our own advantage. That's very Old Testament, not very new. But the thing is, is about following Jesus is everything goes back to the command. And what is the command? To love your neighbor as yourself. That your love for other people is what authenticates your love for God. So following Jesus is never about what's in it for you. It's about how, what you can do for your brother and sister in Christ. It's about what love requires of you. And so then Jesus begins to just knock this on its head. And he says, and then... Now, again, this is the second. He said, first thing, first step is what? Number one, take the plank out of your own eye. And then, here comes step number two. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Uh Uh-oh. Now, our objection is what? When we read that, our objection is, no, that's judgmental, right? But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus goes, no, I don't want you to just leave your brother with the speck in their eye alone. That wouldn't be very loving light. I'm not telling you this so you can just mind your own business. I'm telling you this because there's a person who needs minding. And the thing is that Jesus tells us to do is that we need to help our brother and sister in Christ. That the whole point of removing the plank in our own eye is so that we can help properly help our brother and sister remove the speck from their eye. See, the thing is, is about love is that love forbids me. Love forbids me from being able to do this. Love forbids me from sizing people up and writing them off. But here's the other thing is that love also forbids me of sizing somebody up and walking away. If I love you, I'm not going to just leave you with that speck in your eye. I can see you over there twitching like a crazy person. There is something in your eye and you have no clue how to get it out. But here's the thing. I'm here to help you and I'm able to help you because I have removed the plank from my eye. And because I've removed the plank from my eye, I can help you. I can in a loving, gracious, merciful way help you remove the speck from your own. Because the thing is, is we're not that different. The thing is, is your speck is a lot like my plank. The problem is, is your, your temptations and your downfalls and the troubles you go through are a lot like the troubles I've been through. A lot like the, the, the temptations that I've been through as well. And now that I've properly removed the plank from my eye, I can help you remove the speck in yours. See, it all comes back to what love requires of me. It all goes back to what love says that I should do. And I'm not doing this just so I can better myself. I'm doing this so that I can help you grow in your relationship with Christ as well. This is a, so here's the thing. Uh, there are three types of people who are listening to this message today, okay? Three types of people. You are probably one of these three types of people. And, and the first type of people is this, is you size people up and you write them off. 
you size people up and you write them off. You are judgmental, okay? You're judgmental because you're jealous, and you're judgmental because you're self-righteous. You size people up and you write them off. And here's the thing. If you're that type of person, there's a two-syllable word that you need to follow. You need to repent, okay? If you're that person who sizes people up and writes them off, you need to repent. You are not as sophisticated as you think you are. You are not the mold. You are not so holy. You are not so high as mighty. You are not so much like Jesus that you think that there is not a plank inside of you. There may be. And so here's the thing. You need to understand that it is not okay to size people up and to write them off. And the thing is, is about people's specs and their eye. As Christians, other people's specs should break our hearts. People's specs, people's sin, people's struggles, they shouldn't, they shouldn't make us feel disgusted. They should make us feel sad. And there's a great quote that I found. It said this. It said, if the sin of others doesn't break your heart, it's probably because your heart has never been broken over your own sin. You need to recognize that you have had planks in your life that God has helped you overcome. And God helped you overcome those planks, not just so you could be done and high and mighty and judge everybody else and write everybody else off. God helped you remove those planks so that you could help others remove the speck in their eye. But you have to first recognize that you had planks, that you are not as sophisticated as it may seem, that you are just as broken as everybody else in the world. Now, there's a second group of people. The second group of people is this. You size people up and you walk away. You're the type of person who minds their own business. You don't want to be judgmental. You don't want to get in their mess. It's none of your business. So you make judgments, and that's okay. And you see the speck in their eye, and you're aware of it. And you deal with the plank in your eye, and then you stop. And then you walk away. Because you don't want to upset anybody. And you don't want to have to talk about it. And you don't know exactly what to say. And this has been the thing that has wrecked me this week. Like literally, ask my wife. I was not in a good place on Tuesday. <laughs> it was bad enough I had to call my dad. Because this is what happened to me this week. I was working on this message on Monday. And I got to this part. And it reminded me of something I went through. Last year, when this pandemic started, I remember very clearly when we knew things were going to change, where we knew we were going to have church online for a while, where we knew we weren't going to meet, and we just kind of started to see what was happening. Pastor Kerry and I had staff meeting. And I told Pastor Kerry, I made a list. And I said, these are going to be the people that this is going to destroy. These are the people who are not going to come back to church when we come back to having church. These are the people who this is going to wreck them and is going to destroy their marriage. These are the people who are not going to survive this emotionally. These are the people who are going to collapse in and fold, and we may not ever see them again. And here's the thing that killed me this week. I wrote those names down, and I told Pastor Kerry, this is what's going to happen. And again, not judging, just making a judgment call. And really, it's not that hard. Just 
a judgment based off of knowing you, just a judgment based off of what you post on social media, just, the, just looking at your patterns and habits and how you deal with things like this, I wrote down about 10 names and told Pastor Kerry, we will never see them again. And I put it in my Bible and I prayed over them. I put it in my Bible and I prayed like a good Christian did because that's what we Christians do, don't we? We don't want to judge anybody and we don't want to get involved in anybody's mess. So we'll just keep it to ourselves and we'll just pray about it. That's what I did. And let me tell you that this week I opened up my Bible to start preparing for the next series that we're going to start in two weeks. And there was that list. And I hate to say that I was 100% accurate on every single name that I wrote in that list. I was right about who was going to get divorced. I was right about who wasn't going to come to church. I was right about who would spin out of control and start something new. And I was a wreck on Tuesday because I knew what was going to happen. And I didn't say anything. I checked on the families. I texted the families. I asked how you were doing. And they lied, or they didn't get deep enough, or they said they were fine. And I knew, I knew, I knew. But I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to mess up anybody. I didn't want to get in anybody's mess. I didn't want to be judgmental. I didn't want to stir the pot. Well, I didn't do anything by just sitting at my desk and praying either. And I was right. And I should have said something. I should have gotten to the heart of it, and I should have been more direct. And I want to tell you right now, let's just cover this for when it happens in the future. This wrecked me so much this week that I I had a serious conversation with God, and I said, I will never do this again. So let me tell you something right now as your pastor and your friend. If I call you out on something, man, if I see a habit or a pattern in your life and I know where it's leading and I know where it's going to take you and I know what it's going to do to you in the future and I say something to you, I am not being judgmental. I am trying to do what love requires of me. And what love requires of me is that I don't just ignore the speck in your eye. But I bring it up to you and I help you remove that speck in your eye. I am not doing you any favors by staying silent. And you and I, we're all called to that. It's not just me as a pastor. When Jesus was preaching to these people, he's talking to Christians. It's not my job as pastor to call people out on their specks. It's all of our calls as Christians That when we see a speck in our brother's eyes, that we don't just pray for them, but we make sure we remove the plank in our own eye and then we help our brothers and sisters remove the speck in theirs. So for some of you who are listening to this today, the lesson is not to repent. The lesson is that you need to confront. And then there's a third group. And the third group is this. The third group is you've been sized up, but you refuse to listen. You've been judged. And let me tell you something about 
whenever somebody has this conversation for you. Number one, it ain't ever going to go perfect or right. Jesus didn't tell us exactly how it was supposed to go. None of us were handed a script. So let me tell you something. When somebody confronts you and they go, man, look, I, you got you to get a handle on this. I don't think this is right. I don't think this is healthy. I don't think this is Christ-like. And you go, hey, man, don't judge me. Look, it ain't going to come out right. And it ain't going to be pretty. And that person who's talking to you, dude, they're just trying to do what love requires of them. Man, they're just trying to be obedient to what God told them to do. But here's the thing, man. If somebody comes in your life and they go, look, man, this isn't healthy. This isn't right. I see a pattern in your life. This isn't good for your marriage. You've you got to quit doing that. Man, here's the thing. You, you hear that. And you, you feel this feeling inside of you. And you think it's judgment. But here's the thing. Honestly, that's guilt is what you feel. And that guilt is the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, they're right. And a lot of times, they're just telling us what we already know. A lot of times, they're telling us something multiple people have already told us. And you want to just go around saying everybody else is crazy and everybody's judgmental and, wow, what's up with these Christian people? But here's the thing. Those people, they're just trying to help you. They're trying to save you. They're trying to be obedient. Because they know where this is going, even though you don't see where it's going. And they don't want to see you get there. And here's the thing, man. The thing is, is about when we go through this, defensiveness ensures that your past will continue to show up in your future. So when somebody says that to you, don't be defensive. You need to listen. And that, for some of us today, that is the lesson. Some of us need to listen to the people in our lives who are trying to help us. No matter where you are on this, the thing is, is this, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> Every single one of us have a lesson that we need to take from this today. Some of us, like I said, we're self-righteous. Man, we judge people. We size people up. We write them off. And it's not right. Others of us, man, we, we size people up. But then we stay silent. And for some of us, we need to start speaking into our friends' lives. Because here's the thing. The longer you go without speaking into their lives, one day it's going to be too late. Man, one day they're going to confront God. And they're going to say, nobody told me. God's going to go, I know. I wish they would have. They knew they needed to. But they didn't. But now it's too late. And then for others of us who are being confronted but don't want to listen, you need to open your ears. you got to be willing to talk. It's time to have a grown-up conversation, folks. It's time to listen. Because maybe we're not being judged. Maybe somebody's just trying to help us out. No matter where you are, God wants to do something in your life today. God's speaking to you one way or another. And the thing is, I, I love that song that we sang, Do It Again. And the words of that song is, you made a way when there was no way. I've seen you move, you're moving mountains, and I believe that I will see you do it again. That's what God wants to do in your life. And here's the thing, that, the title of that song, Do It Again, it's because God continually does it. 
You are never in a place where you're done. You are never in a place where you are sophisticated. You are never in a place where you are so high and mighty and you are so holy that you just sit on top of your Christian throne and look at all the other sinners and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe. No, oh, did you see that? You're never at that spot. You know what? When God does it once, guess what? He's going to come back around. He's going to do it again. And then God, guess what? He's going to come at you in another message. He's going to come to you in another season in your life. And He's going to do it again. God is continually wanting to move us closer and closer to the image of Christ. And that's what he wants to do in you today. Nobody's perfect, but also nobody's done growing either. So would you let God do that in your heart and in your life today? Would you take what we've just talked about, and would you have an honest conversation with God and go, God, oh, I really hated what Pastor Mike said. Because I do do that. And I think something needs to change in my life. Probably. I know this week God did it in me. And if God did it in me, he wants to do it in you too. So can we talk about that? Can we pray about that? Will you stand with me this morning? Just as we get into a, a moment of prayer here, get into an attitude of prayer. And I want you to just close your eyes as you're watching the live feed, as you're with us here today. I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. Just let God speak to you today. You've already heard the voice of God speak to your heart. God has told you what you already need to hear. You know which one you are. So this morning, I'm going to pray for you. And I just want you to pray this prayer in your own way or however it is you want. Father God, I have heard your voice today. God, I know exactly which one I am. God, for some of us this morning, we're the judgmental person. God, this morning, I repent of my judgment. I I repent for making myself seem so holy, so mighty, so above everyone else. I'm sorry for thinking that I'm right and everybody's in the wrong. God, this morning, I recognize my wrongness. I recognize my sin. God, would you forgive me? When you judge me, I do not want you to judge me with the same stick that I have been measuring other people. So God, this morning, would you clear me of any wrongdoing? Would you clear my past? Would you just give me a blank slate today? And God, moving forward, I promise to judge not. I'm making a commitment today to judge not. And God, for others of us, man, this was me this week. God, we see we see you people specs, people we call friends, people we call family, people we care about. And we know 
We know what's going on. And I've dealt with that in myself. But now I've just, I've taken advantage of my brother and sister in Christ. I've used their speck to become a better version of myself. But I didn't do the right thing and I didn't go and talk to them about what I see in their life because I, I didn't want to mess up the family. I didn't want to start drama. I didn't want there to be a, a conversation because I didn't know exactly what to say. But God, this morning, I recognize that I have messed up. I have, met, I have left some people hanging. I've left my brother. I've left my sister. I've left my family. I've left my friends. I've left my coworkers hanging. I mean, I knew something was wrong. And I haven't said anything. I haven't confronted them. I haven't been obedient to your command. And so God, this morning, would you give me the courage would you give me the ability to, to confront my brother Speck? Would you help me to speak life into their life, not to judge them, not to hurt them, but in a way, God, that it would be received, that they would know that I'm trying to help them? And then, God, for others of us this morning, we have beat the band don't judge me don't judge me let me live my life mind your own business and man we have just been so cold and so hard and we have just resisted anybody who didn't agree with what we were doing we haven't allowed anybody to be a true friend to be a true brother or sister in Christ and speak life into our life God I have been so resistant so self-absorbed and so selfish man I God, will you help me to change my heart? Would you help me to listen? Would you help me to have a conversation? Would you help me to be graceful? As this person in my life is just trying to be obedient, is just trying to do what love requires of them, God, would you help me to be renewed and be changed? God, every single one of us can take something away today. Would you do in us what you've done before? Would you change our hearts? Would you move mountains? Would you transform our hearts from the inside out? Would it change our mind? Would it change our emotions? Would it change the way we think about things? And would it change our actions, Lord? And God, would this change not just be for our own good, but God, would you do something in us that will help us to love our neighbor in the same way that you have loved us. God, do that in us today. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to support Anchored Hope, you can make a donation at anchoredhope.church forward slash give. To connect with someone from Anchored Hope, please go to anchor forward slash high. Thank you for listening and God bless.